All right. Hello. Welcome again to the final week of our summer encounter. Again, I want to thank Dr. Qualls and Dr. D for their great writing. Thank you for all the interaction that I've had with people. Um, it's been great. Uh, our encounter is doing well. Um, it's getting into new Sunday school classes, and I look forward to developing even more. Remember, you can get the uh, encounter on on the Kindle app now, uh, and we have, of course, the digital downloads if you want to do that. Uh, you can find that in the uh, Resource Center. You can also find the Kindle uh, edition, obviously, on Amazon Kindle and any of your Kindle books on your cell phone or wherever else. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, Psalm 79. We're going to talk about a communal lament to God. Last week, we talked about the laments that we have as individuals, the things that uh, bother us or uh, grieve our hearts. But there's also a, a times when you have communal uh, laments and communal grief, especially in this uh, past 18 months or so. So Psalm 79, a communal lament to God, it's going to be for August 29th, 2021, our prayer for illumination. Living God, help us to so hear your word that we may truly understand, and that in understanding we might believe, and in believing we may follow your way in all faithfulness, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Amen. And our memory verse for today is, do not remember against us the inequities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive us of our sins for your namesake. That's Psalm 79, 8 and 9. Um, I think this is a good way to, to end our summer and look forward to the new things that are happening, hopefully. And you know, as we start, we're starting school, some churches are starting back and doing some things, but we keep in prayer, of course, all those who are being affected still by the COVID um, virus. So, uh, so far as the introduction, uh, Dr. D has a little video you could watch a reading of Psalm 79. It might help just to hear that as we go through uh, what we uh, what we're studying about today. So again, a lament is really a time to acknowledge grief. That's that's what a, a lament is. It makes space for you and God to acknowledge grief together, and it helps us name our grief. And I think that's important, especially when you think about an organizational uh, grief, because uh, just as human beings sometimes struggle with grief and how to handle it, uh, organizations go through the exact same thing, and it was on full display and is on full display in some churches. Grief and depression are hard because it's it's more like a mood that you're in. Uh, I told people this week that I've had a rise in Delta depression uh, cases and numbers, and there's not one particular thing that I can point to that has frustrated me. It's just a general feeling of maybe looking at the news, seeing case counts or looking on Facebook and seeing people who are in the hospital or who are passed away and then add on to that the craziness of the world and add on to that the craziness of you know, one of my kids starting school and learning what life is like away from home and helping her. And it's just a frustrating thing. There's just things mountain mountain. You can't point to one thing. It's just a general feeling of uneasiness. A lot of times is what grief is or depression is. And so what lament does is at least try, it gives you an avenue by which to try to name uh, those things, which, which are really frustrating. you. It's kind of the opposite. I'm an old country music fan. I lived in Nashville most of my life. Anyway, uh, one of the old Opry singers, John Conley, 
he has a song called rose colored glasses right and it's a song about how uh he when it comes to love he, he looks through this lens that makes everything right even though it's not it's the exact opposite with depression and grief it's it's almost like a lens it's like eyeglasses you put on and everything's just a little more dim and and everything's just a little bit more frustrating than it needs to be and uh the thing about rose-colored glasses or, or depression is that what you're experiencing really isn't reality. It's but it's just something that shades everything. Um, so when I did this uh, this morning for my Sunday school class, I, I asked folks to name, you know, personally, what were the personal laments, the most lament-worthy thing during COVID. That's our discussion question on page um, or on, on the top of our page. What has been the most lament-worthy thing you have experienced during these times of lockdown? I was teaching high schoolers, and so, you know, camp was a big one. They didn't get to go to camp. There were some kids, you know, who they didn't get to go to a prom, or there's kids in the world that didn't get a full graduation or a real graduation. There were some who, you know, whose relatives died, and they couldn't go in the hospital. They couldn't be around uh, people, and so um, those are things that are definitely difficult and, and it adds to that frustration. But anyway, I think it's right to ask your Sunday school class to give them an opportunity to name something or to, you know, get out a frustration of, of what they've experienced during, uh, during COVID. So then when we talk about lament, again, I've, I've said that it's a way that you bring your, your griefs and your despair to God. But it's also a time to bring your frustration to God and, the book of Jeremiah or the book of Lamentations or some of the things that are written in the Psalms or things that David write. I mean, there's a sense in which people bring their frustration to God. Job is a very good example. Job brought his frustration, not only about the situation he was in, but also a situation, what he felt about God and the frustration that he felt that God was not vindicating him or, or whatnot. And so I asked our high schoolers, how do they, I mean, in the church, we're kind of taught indirectly never to, um, criticize or never to doubt anything that God has you going through, but I don't think that stands up to scripture. And I equated it, uh, to the kids that I teach with, you know, how do they deal with their parents? You know, teenagers get frustrated with their parents. How do you respond? Um, you know, slam doors, stomp away, sigh underneath, you know, talk a little bit under your breath. You know, these are ways that, that children push their parents it's not any different being God's child and God is our parent. We are perpetual teenagers, especially before God. And so here's the thing. You can hold those things in. And just like a parent-child relationship, sometimes um, maybe some cynicism sets in between a relationship when things aren't explored. If someone grows up being angry all the time with their parent or their parent gets angry with their kid and there's no way to you know, release that pressure, then it might develop long-term problems. And I think that would be the same way with us as children of God. I think Psalm 79 and the lament Psalms and the lamentations in scripture show us that God already knows our frustration. It's not like we're hiding it from them, from him. Um, and so then the call of the faithful person isn't just withholding your emotions and your frustrations and your griefs, but allowing God the opportunity to commune with us as we think about them. And I think that's a sign of faith, not a sign of disrespect. Of course, 
you know, you have to ensure that you're faithful when you approach God, that you love God, just as a child has to approach their parents with love and respect and a parent has to do so with their kids. But I think it's okay. And I think that's what we learn what we learn from these Psalms. Um, God, in this sense, becomes the anchor, just like kids, man, kids will venture out and do stupid things, but they need you as a parent to be the anchor, to hold them close to something, hold them tight to something so that they don't lose their way. But it's also the way of children to explore. God's the same way. Uh, he's our anchor in life storms. We experience things and we grow in maturity and so on, but God remains an anchor. And this is what we learn then in the, in the Lament Psalms and Lamentations of Scripture. So far as the historical setting, um, this is starting at the destruction of the temple. This is a reflection of the destruction of the temple and the raising of Jerusalem. So in this, there's a rather lengthy uh, section uh, of scripture, 2 Kings 25, 8 through 21. I think it's important that you read that and then note the things that the church lost or the temple lost because of the destruction. And so I, I'm going to read just a little bit of it. 2 Kings is the description of, of the Babylonian commander uh, that uh, destroyed the temple. And it, he said, he set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. Goes on next paragraph and says, the Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars, the movable stands, and the bronze sea that were at the temple of the Lord, and they carried the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, shovels, wick trimmers, dishes, and all the bronze articles used in temple service. The commander of the Imperial Guard took away the censers and the sprinkling bowls, all that were made of pure gold and silver. And then the last part of that uh, passage. So Judah went into captivity away from her land. Um, so, you know, the description of that's pretty wild. I mean, it's set in fire to the temple. People are carried into exile. All the worship materials are broken. Um, or stolen, taken away. I think it would be good then for your Sunday school class then to think in some sense there's a reflection. Uh, it wasn't an army that came in and destroyed your church, but your church lost a lot because of COVID. And so maybe take some time to allow the people of your Sunday school class to let out that grieving or those things which they haven't had a chance just to put their finger on and say, yeah, this this really hurt me that I couldn't participate in this or I couldn't do this at the church or so, so on and so forth. Take some time to think of the effect that COVID-19 had on your church, particularly when I ask this and, and this is where the communal part comes in. We're all grieving, but what about the communal part? And I think about like, as a minister, there were always, not always, but oftentimes uh, the church would hold fellowship meals for people after they lost their loved one. Right. So after a funeral, everybody would go back to the church and that wasn't there for months. You couldn't even offer that. You couldn't even have a funeral service, for goodness sake. So somebody important, a matriarch or patriarch of the church dies and, and the best you can do is send a card. But there was not a chance to really stop and honor those people, the legacy that they left. And there wasn't a time for the church to come together and grieve and to figure out what it meant to be uh, whatever church without this person. That person had been so important. Uh, to the life of the church and you couldn't do that and I thought I, me personally I thought fellowship times I'm doing the interim preaching at the New Hope Church I hadn't had a cup of coffee at that church yet I haven't been able to have those coffee conversations that that I think are so meaningful 
for when I was preaching at the Margaret Hank church, those times around the donuts and the coffee, I would see the young urban kids. We'll say that, uh, talking with the old, um, rural farmer folks. And it was the only place in the world that I ever saw these two different groups of people coming together for fellowship, for, for, for just asking how one another is or what's going on in life. That that was the place where the church broke down a barrier wall. That wasn't there, still not there because, you know, we can't have that time of fellowship. Think about the weddings and the ceremonies and celebrations that we lost, baptisms. Again, I told you the youth and at the, New Hope Church, they, they were pretty quick to point out camps and retreats. Those are very important uh, to the development, spiritual development of the kids in our, in our presbytery. They weren't there. Uh, the sound of a full sanctuary and people singing praise and worship and melding my voice with the other folks, and it wasn't there. Um, and sadly enough, I'll say that there might be somebody or an empty seat or an empty place in your Sunday school class because you've lost a loved one from COVID or a class member from COVID. And that, that man, that's hurts. It hurts when the church loses somebody and you're not having the chance to share, you know, work out this theology with them. It's, it's very difficult. Um, so anyway, on page 88, um, I wanted to read in that top of the, the first full paragraph, the, the bottom half of that paragraph um, of page 88. It says, the psalm helps the believer express her or his anguish in a disaster when it seems as though they have been abandoned. In times of great loss, grief, or rejection, these are normal human emotions. The God of the Bible understood what modern psychologists are discovering. Feelings, even unlovely ones, which are hidden, do not disappear. Instead, they are likely to fester and create layers of destructive emotions and behaviors. The one who created us is able to know our innermost thoughts. Perhaps this is the central message of the Lament Psalms. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Part of my job is, you know, talking to preachers and churches or whatnot. And, and I think the lack of lament that went on in churches, like the lack of pouring our souls and our grief together before God, has contributed to what I think is one of the most stressful times. I thank God above that I am not a local church preacher during the time of COVID. There's preachers that are frustrated with their elders, elders that are frustrated with their preachers. There's churches that don't understand why elders won't let them just open up. And there's people who say, how are the elders letting this event go on, knowing that this disease or this virus is going around everywhere? And what has happened is, is that we started, we, we fought one another. I really thought that COVID would be a time in which every preacher was safe, uh, but there's been a lot of people who have quit during this time. There's been a lot of pastors who are fired, and I really think it has nothing to do with the ministry whatsoever. It's that people are grieving, and they don't know why, and it feels wrong, and they're trying to fix it, but sometimes there's not a fix, and that's where lament and grief and expression of that to God together as a church uh, is very, very important. The other thing that happened was when you had a breakdown of that church fellowship, all of a sudden, it became easier to point out everybody's faults with politics or with ideologies or so on and so forth. And so during this 18 months, you had this rise in racial conflict. You had a rise in ideological and political conflict. And all of a sudden, the people that you had coffee with around the coffee and the donut table at your church were fighting with each other on Facebook. That's a loss. And it's also because there was no, I don't think, spiritual um, grieving. 
that went on as a church. Instead, people made their own little tribes or got frustrated. And so this is really important. So if you as a Sunday school class can think of these things, and then in the next couple sections, we'll talk about maybe creating a class prayer or lament uh, that y'all or at least an activity to, to go through a lament together. In the digging deeper section, uh, Dr. D brings out an important point in this section. When we grieve as the church, collectively as the body, it's not as though we're going to just some therapist's couch to lay down and to let them know all the problems and the therapist give us you know, little advices of how to become better or accept things. But instead as a church, we're looking to almighty God we're requesting help, and then God is the creator of all things, the Almighty. So if God so chooses, God can bring about a change in our situations, even in our minds and our own hearts. Uh, we go before God, inviting God to our lament because we believe God is more than the therapist, but instead God personally cares for us and cares for his church. I'm going to read the bottom two paragraphs from page 88. Dr. D writes, the ninth verse is key in the psalm. Help us, God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake. It is an earnest prayer for God to intervene on our behalf. We can compare this with 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will hear ill their land. In our laments, we are called to put our trust in God. Verse 11 of the text says, may the groans of the prisoners come before you with your strong arm, preserve those condemned to die. This was echoed again in Psalm 102, 20. We have assurances in Psalm 69, 33, for the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. The point being in this is that we go to God because over the generations of the faithful, even in the Old Testament, we saw God doing great work and changing situations and becoming a fortress and a rock and solitude. Uh, for those who are in the storms of life. So then next would be the learning from the scripture. Um, so last week, one of the assignments was to write a lament, a personal lament. Uh, and maybe you've shared that. Uh, hopefully, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But I, I think this week, take a moment to invite the class or to help the class create a lament together in light of this COVID situation in your church, in light of the things that uh, you've discussed what was the most lament worthy thing that happened in the church as a, as a whole. And just remember, and this might be a time just to simply talk about prayer. So we did this, I did this with the Sunday school kids and the, and when you go through these laments, again, they're structured in certain ways. And the first way is that you address God and God's faithfulness. Um, and we had a discussion on how, how people, you know, address God. How do you begin your prayer? Some of them said, dear God, I always say almighty God or father. Uh, there's different ways. Most compassionate God. You know, if you choose those words, there's a reason you do it. And it's probably more than it's just rote memory. Some of you might say almighty God. Why? What's your conception of God? Merciful God. Dear Jesus, right? Or dear Lord, whatever it may be. Why do you choose to do that? And when you're thinking about the church in the time of COVID and what you're asking from God, how do you address God in a way that shows God's faithfulness? Second, express trust in God. Once you address God, and you maybe even say, you know, here's why we're, why do you, why are you praying to God? In Psalm 79, it was because um, 
uh, it says, Psalm 79 starts with, with addressing God. Oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance, right? So there's a sense in which God is um, above all, right? So that's why they can trust God. Every, all the nations come to God, right? Um, why, you know, great, great is your faithfulness through all generations, dear Lord, whatever it is, express something from your past or your church's past that show that God is going to be faithful both in the past, but also now and in the future. Um, why do you think God will listen to your prayers? What is an example of what God has done in the past that showed his faithfulness for the future? And then the third thing would be name the grief or the griefs. This is what we did just a minute ago in the, uh, the exploring the historical setting section. What is it that you're grieving most? Maybe give each of your class or your students time to just express the, the thing they, they are grieving the most about the church over the last 18 or 19 months. What, what hope have they lost or what, what has frustrated them the most? Allow them to express that. And then, um, Fourth, be specific. Again, go around your class and allow them to petition God. If, if, if you could ask God something, which you can, because it's called prayer, what is it you're wanting God to do? What exactly are, is on your heart? What is burdening you that you're going uh, to God on behalf of the church? For some, it might be a revival. Maybe it's time for a revival in the church. Maybe it's that you simply need to accept what is and what's changing and what has changed. And you get a little more fortitude, spiritual fortitude in your heart. Maybe you want to pray for the miraculous deliverance of everybody from COVID. Maybe it's simply for comfort and peace. Maybe it's a deeper faith and trust because you, you've doubted uh, that God is in control of this. Whatever it may be, make that petition. And then you end with praise and acknowledgement that God is God and God cares for his creation and for his people and that he'll always care for those things. So in the applying the scripture part, um, I'll bring this up. I said that God is not simply a therapist that just wants to hear our problems and to help us become better because God can change situations. But at the same time, what Lamentations does is to allow us to express to God the things that deeply hurt us or grieve us or so on and so forth. And so um, while God can redeem it, there might be a time when God chooses not to. Like, Sometimes God doesn't intervene, even our most fervent pleas. So what do we do then? Dr. D brings up uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross in the five stages of grief, right? Denial, anger, depression, or bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Normally we stop at number four, depression, and we don't get to the acceptance part. And it may be that our deepest, longest, deepest, and most, most yearned for request uh, simply stay that. God doesn't have to move at our beck and call. And so then that's when we learn lament. Lament's part of acceptance. It's grounded in the hope that the consummation of the redemption of all things, right? Like, even though we don't have it now, we know God will make it good. And in some sense, that allows us to accept it. I'm going to read uh, Dr. D quoted from Romans 8. So let me read that. It says, for the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it 
in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonships, the redemption of our bodies. Unfortunately, what COVID has taught us is just because we don't like it doesn't mean we can just ignore it. It's also taught us that if we don't lament, if we don't grieve, if we don't get to that fifth stage, uh, then it causes problems within our churches, within our organizations. And so, um, so this applying the scripture part would be then to take this conversation, learn to bring things before God, invite God into the presence of your grief, of your depression. And you may not ever be able to accept that which has happened to you, but you can surely accept the hope which God offers and, and pray as many times as you need to lament as many times as you need to cry before God, for it is an act of worship and God cries with you, but God also lifts you up. God is our refuge. He's our ever present help. He's the rock of ages. And ultimately we're not people without hope. Christians have hope. So thank you for studying the summer. Look forward next week to the, uh, First lesson of the fall encounter. And um, if you need me or help with anything else, you can get me at cfleming at cumberland.org and I'll be happy to help you in any way I can. Thank you.